0: It's flat out RC time. Welcome back to the podcast where we talk all things radio control flight. We're talking radio control planes, helis and drones. My name's Andrew Sill coming to you from the land down under in Melbourne, Australia. It's summertime. We've had some great flying weather down here in Melbourne. I know that plenty of modelers have been out and about as I have but I'm going to talk about that next week what I got up to this weekend because I'm sort of a week ahead of myself but just stay tuned to the Flat Out RC YouTube channel. May even be up by the time this podcast comes out, but I've got a new video that I have recorded and I'll talk about it next week. But anyway, a uh, good episode coming up. Uh, special guest this week is Fred West. Fred is a, a gentleman from Echuca, Uh up Echuca Way at the Echuca Club and a uh, bit of a move and shaker up there, done a lot of great things for the club. And so... Pleasure to have him on, so stay tuned for that. But before we get to Fred, let's have a look at what's been on my mind. Well, what has been on my mind? Well, a little bit of a tale. Late last year, a friend of mine sent a message to me, and he said, I have uh, a T-Rex 550 helicopter and a JR transmitter and another blade little heli. Do you want them for free? They're pretty much brand new. And I said, gee, that's very generous. I'll give you some money for it. And he said, no, no, I'm not taking anything. I can't be bothered trying to sell it, go through the all the commotion of trying to sell it. And so I said, okay, anyway, I, I've done a bit of a deal with him anyway. But so I finally picked up this pretty much brand new ready to go, t-rex 550 and look it's probably an eight-year-old model it's helicopter if you don't know what a t-rex 550 is it's a helicopter so he had all these helicopter gear he was going to get into it but uh, never got around to it got busy with life kids all that kind of thing so i have these brand new helis and, and it got me thinking about rc helis and uh i was, i actually started to go, i got interested in helis in 2007 uh that sort of got me back into the hobby uh which was was helis I love the idea that, you know, the vertical takeoff, <laughs> you didn't need a runway. And so I bought this t uh, TRX 450, which were all the rage uh, back then, and then uh, built it, um, finally got it flying many, many years later because I, I had a bit of a break, sun was born, all that kind of thing. But the whole heli scene was really emerging in that 2007 period and kept on growing to probably, I'd say, around 2013, 14, I reckon, uh, it was boom times for helis and it was such a good time and, and getting this heli reminds me how great rc helis are now we all know they are a bit more challenging to learn how to fly but it's not overly hard to learn how to fly thanks to simulators go and get a simulator get on the on the uh, on the helicopter and you know learn how to hover the thing and things will just progress from there so you know back in the day it probably was harder without the simulators so uh you know, a lot of us have sims. If you're interested in helis, go and fly on the sim, then go and buy a heli. Uh, and you know, a, a lot. I was thinking about maybe a reason why there's a bit, a bit of a slump in the in the heli scene. And I think part of it is that that demographic that were really driving the hobby grew up. And what do we know? Often people their life course changes when they have kids and jobs and things like that, which they can't dedicate the time. And so a lot moved into different areas, and so the scene sort of died off. But not to say that it won't come back. Uh, You know, when you look at it at the moment, we've got some really good helicopters, really powerful helis, the 3D heli scene is, is, you know, there's still some avid heli pilots out there. We had Dennis Bilby on the podcast at one point in time, and he's still an avid flyer. And I know some people that I've uh, flown with, Simon Robertson down in the – Ballerine Peninsula is an avid heli guy and every club has their heli guys. You know, we're, I'm a member of quite a big club and we have uh, lots of people that uh, enjoy flying helis and some ex-champions as well that are at that club. But uh, so what's so good about flying helis? Well, one, we know that modelers, we love a challenge. The challenge in the uh, of flying a heli is, is really good. Um, they look cool. I love the look of these helis. You know, I'm actually contemplating maybe not even flying this T-Rex 550 and just putting it on the shelf because I've got another one. So I don't know whether to fly one and put one on the shelf in my office that I can look at because I love looking at helis. I suppose it's that mechanical nature of them, which is very different to, to an aeroplane with a, you know predominantly balsa and ply sort of construction. But I just love looking. And they're so big. And the 550 is not the biggest heli. You know, you can get, 700, 800 size helis. Uh, but for me, it's still a good size. I love it. And, and it really, once you get to that 500, 550 size, you, you're getting a more stable platform than, say, the smaller ones. But the other heli I got was a Blade 130X, which is probably oh, a four-, five-year-old heli now. And it's a little plastic heli that you can you can 3D it. And I had one, and I flew it to death pretty much. And I absolutely loved it. It could, it could take a tumble. Unlike the bigger helis, if you have a bit of a crash, you know, you've got to replace blades and things like that. But uh, this heli was just phenomenal. Um, and so when he said he had one, um, I thought that is awesome because I've still got another one that's really not working very well. So I've got plenty of spares. So that'll keep me going and plenty of batteries as well. And then he gave me this old JR transmitter as, as well, which is, is Spectrum compatible. This is pre-JR doing their own thing. It's a JR11X. And I bought a new battery for it um, because the battery's pretty much dead in it, NICAD or Nickel Metal hydrates. So i got a new Anyloop pack that he's ordered and should be on its way. And then got to send it up to my mate, Steve Richardson, who's the uh, JR distributor down here in the reseller down here in Australia. And he's got to convert it to mode two because it's a mode one transmitter. And when I mean he's got to convert it, uh, he has to desolder the, the throttle trim. It's, a, it's an analog throttle trim. And so you have to desolder it, swap to the other side, you know, configure the gimbals and whatever so he said he can do that so i'm going to send that up to him and i'll have another transmitter which is good because I, I need a spare one to keep up at my holiday house so i don't have to cut my gear all the time and fly my planes up there it's a bit of a luxury It sounds terrible isn't it oh i need to have another set of stuff to fly at another place but anyway it will it will, it will go to great use and i thank my friend greatly he's a great bloke so rc helis don't discount them you can still get them uh, just get onto the google machine it will you'll find helis that are available always buy something that you can get replacement parts for but first step get on the sim and give it a go all you plank flyers out there don't discount having a go at flying rc helis <music> guest time my favorite part of the podcast and this week's guest is a man that i've met a number of times uh, had the privilege of being in his company. His name is Fred West. Fred is from up near Echuca, which is on the border of New South Wales in Victoria. We call it Murray Country. The Murray River runs along in Echuca. And uh, so it's probably about, oh, for memory, it's two and a half to three hour drive, I think, for me. Um, but not a bad drive. I've been there a number of times. I've flown at the club. I've got some good mates there. Brad Worm, uh, Mad Mel, a whole bunch of guys that fly up there that are a nice bunch of guys Good field. It's another state field up there that the uh, the VMAA has uh, purchased the land, and Fred has been very instrumental in helping out. He loves helping out the the Aero models and seeing the club progress. So, my pleasure to have the one and only Fred West on the podcast. We are going north of Melbourne to a gentleman that I've met quite a number of times now, and has always impressed me. Fred West, thanks for joining me here on the Flat Out RC podcast.
1: You're welcome, Andrew.
0: Well, I think the the reason why you've impressed me, Fred, is you're extremely friendly and you're a a major mover and shaker in the Yachuka model aero club up there. Uh, And we're going to talk about that. But before we do, Fred West, where did your journey in aero modeling begin?
1: Well, Andrew, I'm probably like a, a lot of uh, a lot of kids in those days. I'm talking about in the early 60s, where I was the little kid that played with the matchbox toys and the and pole sticks and glued them together. And then uh, when I started high school, I I uh, heard these guys talking about control line aircraft, and we we lived out on a farm out of the road, and, and I didn't know anything about that. So anyway, I conned my parents into. It letting me stay behind one day at school and went and had a look at uh, these kids flying control-lined aircraft. Well, um, that was it. I was well and truly hooked. I was an, an aviation buff from then on. And uh, and that's about uh, that's about where it started, Andrew. Did you ever
0: think, like, it's a, look, it's a, it's a common story. You went down to the park, saw someone flying a control-line plane and you wanted to do that. Have you ever thought back about that feeling that you had in seeing somebody else do something, and 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 what
1: gave you that drive? Oh, I think that I think that was the thing. I mean, this was aviation. I loved anything that flew. You know, I, I was the little kid that all I wanted to be was a was a pilot and and fly an aeroplane, and and I wanted to get into the air force and be a jet pilot. So that was always in my in my psyche. So I I con kind of into into going into the local. Uh, the local hobby shop here in Coeabram, and and uh, we came home with a husky, a husky control line trainer, and a Pet OS one point five cc glow motor. Yeah. Did not know a thing about it. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Now tell me that that so you had to build that model. Of course, did you build it by yourself, or did your dad help out?
1: Well, dad helped me out, um, and uh, and we got very good at. Working out how dope worked and and uh, tissue paper and uh, all those sorts of things and uh, and and we had some uh, we we had a lot of fun. Uh, you you must realise that we lived out on a farm, Andrew, and the paddocks were 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 just rough old cow paddocks, and that meant there was no place to take it off. It didn't have a, a nice cricket pitch like a like a footy ground had. So we used to launch it by hand launching it and hand launching <laughs> a control line aircraft. It got a bit problematic when the lines went slack, and <laughs> a lot of flights lasted about half a turn. And um, and anyway, at the end of the day, it, it got to be a standing joke. I'd get all my siblings and friends, and we'd go where Fred's going to go out and fly his planes, and we would head out to the paddock, and and away we'd go. And uh, and and after had one lap, and the plane was in pieces, and we carried it home. Funny about that, they didn't want to come with me after
0: that. Yeah, you weren't providing any entertainment. <laughs> that's right. But, but, so, so you crashed. Oh, it Sounds like you crashed it a few times. so You're obviously rebuilding it.
1: Yes, yes, rebuild it. I, I you know, uh, and had to wait. Usually had to wait a week so that Mum went into the town and came back with a bit more balsa wood and a bit more tissue paper, and of course the the inevitable, uh, you know, half a litre can of glow fuel, and <laughs> and that and that's where I started, and and just I just flew um, control on planes and 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 did that. By myself or with my mates out in the paddock for, uh, for, and that was my introduction to to model aircraft.
0: Yeah, it it it, it still just fascinates me every time I hear, you know, and it's such a common story as well about that break fix cycle of of early days of aero modelling where you know it was hit and miss whether you're going to bring the the plane home in one piece. But a lot of people just worked through all those challenges. Where nowadays we just give up and you know. Glue the foam back together again, or something like that. But I think times have changed. Where that tenacity that that young aero modelers had to okay, well, we've got to build this thing again. Let's have another crack.
1: Well, that was right, and and in those days you, you had to go if it went somewhere to go and fly with your mates. You went on a push bike, so the 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 aero model had to had to be carted on the push bike, and oh, we had some ingenious ways of getting our models around the countryside in those in those early days. But um, they were before uh, days before I discovered girls cars
0: speedboat. oh i see there there <laughs> it is you know the trilogy you know girls yep. cars and oh, i don't know alcohol sometimes but um but le- at least the girls and the cars things really has put the kibosh on a lot of people's aero modeling journey
1: well it, it did yeah well it did for me because i you know, got married and all of a sudden you just dis- got decided that you were you know, the, the career started to happen and and uh, the family came along and, and I decided I was going to build myself a speedboat, put that together. So that took up, took up all that, that time and, and I suppose there was a period there of 20 years where I just had the models hanging up in the shed and they just hung there.
0: See, that's this the thing. I still – and that's, again, a lot of people do that because other things in life get in the way and other interests and, and I, I think that's totally fine. I've I've done the same myself. But – uh, you were still an aero modeler because you didn't throw away those models. you kept them there. I oh, know they
1: haven't thrown away and to be honest with you, they're still hanging out in my garage right now. so they've they've survived. I'd hate to think what would happen if I tried to fly them, but they have survived. Yeah
0: well that other common thing is I always say um, you know we aero modelers have got very inquisitive minds and vivid imaginations and we don't mind making an effort to 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 reach some sort of outcome and so, I always say uh, we're into cars, boats, uh, bikes, fishing, things like that, and you, you fit the mould of a true aero modeller. Tell, <laughs> tell, <us, laughs> hey, tell us about the boat because you know we're aero modellers and we like boats as well. What was this boat?
1: Oh, the boat that was my pride and joy. It was actually uh, when we were younger, we had a, a timber seacraft boat which had a Holden Grey motor in it, and I sort of inherited that and did a bit of work on it, and then. Uh, late 80s I decided that I was going to upgrade that and I love timber boats so I uh, I got I got a guy in Melbourne that still ran sea craft boats and he actually built me a timber hull which I uh spent many hours painting in in varnish fitted a fitted a hotted up um six on the hold and motored to it and um it's still in the shed today Andrew it's really? uh, and yeah its name's Westwood by the way <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's great that's great but see uh, obviously you like working with wood then
1: well i did i like Well, yeah, you know i fit the tinkerer mold i suppose even, even though my occupation is an accountant um i fit the tinkerer mold don't don't ask me how those two go together but
0: maybe you're a creative accountant you like tinkering with uh you know trying to find the finer points of uh tax law or something
1: i was always good at numbers <laughs> numbers yeah. is that was more that was what that was what saved me but um yeah, I suppose just moving on from there, it was um, 1995 when I got back into aero modelling.
0: What led to the comeback? That's what I want to know.
1: Well, I, I, worked, for a, I worked for a company called Amcor and, and we, uh, I, was, I started working in, in the area of management and I used to go to Melbourne a fair bit for conferences and things like that and we had a, uh, an office in, in uh, Clayton, uh, sorry, in Hawthorne it was and uh, I stayed I stayed down there one night in a motel and got up at 6 o'clock in the morning. And those were days when I was fit and young and went for a jog. And I went past this place called Hawthorne Hobbies. I was going to
0: say, Hawthorne Hobbies.
1: So, so anyway, the next day we had a, had an early mark. So I was heading heading home back to back to the Goulburn Valley and thought, oh, I'll call in and see this guy. And I met a bloke by the name of Cliff MacGyver. Yeah. And he, he must have thought I was okay because – I came out of the place with a, a trainer, a motor, every piece of radio control gear yeah. you could think, and put it in the back of my car, and turned up not knowing what my wife would say when I turned up.
0: I was about to say that.
1: What was the what was the uh, the welcome when you got home like? Uh, I wondered when this this was gonna rear its head. Mm. So uh, yeah, no, it was all okay and anyway, So. Well, that, that was what, so good old Cliffy got me back into it again. Yeah, man,
0: Cliff. I want to get Cliff on the podcast. I'm just trying to sort out technicalities of how to get him on because he's not too, too internet savvy like we are. But um, Cliff told me once, I had, I had dinner with him uh, late last year and with a whole bunch of other guys and... Um, he was telling me how he was very picky about his customers. He didn't like the people that would waste his time. That he knew they were going to be no good and never, never continue with their hobby. He really just liked those enthusiastic people. So yeah, he must have liked you, if he uh, you know gave you some time of day.
1: I'd probably spun in the story about the control line plane and how oh, I had at home, and he, that might have yeah, that might
0: have that would have done it. Yeah.
1: yeah. Anyway, anyway, I, I parted with my, my, my hard earned and came home, and uh, then proceeded to put this canary trainer together with a with a 46 LA, one of those blue motors, and put it all together. And and then I thought, oh, I've got to learn how to fly this. So I I that was when I became associated with the a Moama Model Aero Club. And I, I knew a guy that was there and he said, oh yeah, we'll come out and we'll put it up in the air and we'll do all that. Well the first day sort of ended in tears a bit because we we put it all together and I'd put it together and I was pretty proud of myself and we went out there and they checked it over and checked it over and as 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 good instructors do and one of the instructors took it off and it got to about two feet above above the ground made a left-hand turn and dived straight into the ground <laughs> which uh you know left me a little bit of, uh, I thought yeah I'm not too sure about this sport anyway um after the the, the, t- the usual post-mortem it, it turned out that I had the ailerons wired the wrong way and oh. not one person that had checked it over picked it up oh. so uh, anyway not to be deterred bit of a bit of uh CA glue and whatever and anyway the next Sunday I was out and it flew and um yeah um uh, Couple of guys out there. One was John Lister, who's still in the club, and uh, another boy, another guy by the name of Ian George, taught me to fly, and um, and and that, that that was how I got straight back into it. So uh, you know, from there, I've just um, I've just sort of uh, the bug was uh, the bug was satisfied, I suppose.
0: How did you How did it go making that transition from control line to radio control? Because you know, back then you wouldn't have had simulators and things like that. Like nowadays, we can. Sort of get our head around flying a model plane even before we get and get our hands on the real thing.
1: No, well, the, the technique in those days was well, I don't think we had a buddy box either out at the club in those days, and it was it was I'll, I'll, I'll you, you take we used to fly fly mode one. You take all of the uh, the ailerons, and I'll just I'll just work the elevator, and we'll just fly around in squares for a while until you get the hang of it. So so the instructor would take off, and he would land, and then all of a sudden. I got to the stage where I took it off and I could fly it around in a circle and then and then uh and then you know you got the stage where wow you can actually have the whole the whole uh the whole radio, but hang on a minute, I'll take it over and land it. <laughs> we mm. went through the process. And then uh and then I then I thought I thought I knew it all. I could fly, no problem at all. And anyway, we had a thing called rostered days off in those days, Andrew. And yes. I think people might still have them. The audio, <laughs> yep so anyway um i took my wife out one day to to show how good my uh my skills were at flying model aircraft and and guess what
0: <laughs> i'm just imagining now
1: <laughs> she she laughed
0: and said yeah you, i just witnessed uh, how great your skills are
1: <laughs> so in so home, ca- home came a heap of balsa wood and and on the way home a phone call to the to the hobby shop in shepparton and yeah, I've got another one of those canary trainers over there, so I went over and put it all together and went out to the club on Sunday, hoping nobody noticed that <laughs> 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 the internet had a plane transplant. Yeah, but anyway, they did notice, of course. But um, but yeah, no, and, and I got a little bit more, more circumspect about um, about my skills after that. But yeah, no, it was good fun. How long do you think it t- took you to go solo? Oh look, I don't know. I, well, I reckon it seemed, to, it seemed to be months, but it was probably you know six weeks or something like that. I suppose you know yeah. every Sunday I'd go out there and fly it around and then fly it around. It Might have been longer. I can't really remember. But uh, oh look, at the great bunch of guys, and I just really, I just really enjoyed it. I just fitted right in. It was, I, I was, I was in heaven. It was fantastic. I loved it. And and you know from there you progressed to. Well, maybe you can build yourself a model. Oh well, I, I bought a, I think it was a Ranger Trainer kit, and I actually built my belt a model, and and uh, you know taught myself how to how to cover it with solar film and things like that, which you know was all a new skill, and you know just self taught a lot of that and um, had fun with it all, and and from then just progressed to bit bigger planes, and and um, you know over a period of time, but. Um, uh, you know, that, that sort of, that re, really reignited my love of, love of aviation.
0: Yeah, it sounds like that that club environment really suited you as well and that helped sort of motivate you. you think that was the case?
1: Oh, for sure, for sure. They were a great bunch of guys and we'd go out there and you'd, you'd have, a, have a cook a sausage at lunchtime and, and just stand around and talk aviation and, and, you know, you'd solve everybody else's problems and they'd have a look at your problems and... You know, glow motors that wouldn't go, and you know, then we had some guys that were were really flash. They had things called ducted fan jets with glow oh, motors. Fancy. <laughs> they were, you know, that was the, that was that was the epitome of model aircraft as far as we were concerned. It was fantastic. Yeah, that's but, right. Uh, then I suppose I um, oh, I would have been uh, about two thousand. The club was looking for a secretary. Our secretary was leaving, and and anyway, I got one of those meetings where you, the volunteers all stand, had to had to put their hand up, and because nobody did, and you were sitting in the front row, you got the job. So that was when I took <laughs> over the role as of, of secretary of the club, and I'm um, I'm still the secretary of the club. So,
0: well, you, um, you do do a lot of uh, a lot of good work. Let, let's have a bit of a chat about the club. So the the uh Aero Models Club, isn't it? Yep, the Chikamaya Model Aero Club. Model oh, Aero uh, Club. And Nick. it's it's a great little spot to fly with plenty of land, um, now a state field, which is good. So just tell us a bit about that history that you know of, of, of the club up there. For anyone that's listening around Australia or, you know, Fred, we do have people from overseas listening to this podcast, uh, especially out of the US and the UK and all that. Uh, Fred is located, I'm in Melbourne, so we just had the tennis open. So go and look at the Google Maps, you'll see where Melbourne is. And we go, what, about two and a half hours, three hours drive north up towards the Murray River. And there's a town called the Chuka, pretty popular holiday sort of kind of destination for Melburnians. And there's a great flying club there. And so, yeah, what's, you know, tell us a bit about the club.
1: Well, um, the club... The club was running a fair while before I joined, which would have been in the mid '90s. But um, um, just running out of out of the kindness of farmers who, who would give you a paddock to go and and, and fly from, and um, they moved to our current location. It'd be about 25 years ago, I think. Andrew and and the guy that uh, owned the land said yep no worries you guys can come and, and use this paddock it's a, it was a paddock which was sort of a, a sheep paddock basically and um, and he used to let other other people we used to have a dog dog uh, sheep dog trials on the same piece of land and a few things like that but he, he let us fly there and for many many years the club flew out of that area they just had a, an old steel container and we had a bit of shade cloth up and that sort of thing Um all, all for the price of a a, a carton of Vb per year um, mm-hmm. standard rental and um and then in 2013 i think it was um he decided that he wanted to sell the land and um uh what happened was i uh i i thought well, maybe there's a way we can come up with some finance you know we're a club of 30 people how the heck are we going to do that and we started looking around for other places to fly and other pieces of land and was just a chance conversation I had with Chris Corkett, who was the, the then VMAA secretary. And I asked him, "Oh, you know, was there any finance available? And the, the conversation was, oh, well, I don't think so. It's all a bit hard, you know. I, I don't think that's going to happen. And um, lo and behold, um, that triggered a, a penny to be dropped at the VMAA. And... Yeah. Um, about 3 weeks later i got a i got a a phone call from him to say um, i wonder if if would you be interested if we decided to set up a, a state field up there you know we we think it's a it's too good of an opportunity because what he was asking for the land was was a small change compared to what the sort of land would cost in the metropolitan area and um and that's how it how it happened and I, I can remember Chris and Greg Lepp and Brian Dowry and a couple of others from the VMW. The came, came up and we had a chat, chat out in the middle of the paddock, and um, and that's how the uh, the seeds were planted for a, a state field starting.
0: Yeah, I've always been a big supporter of that state field movement because it's just securing places for us to fly. You know, as as the local clubs will become you know come under pressure over time with development and so on that uh, you know we're going to have to look further out and you know that's sort of we've got we've got sort of covered around melbourne you know in victoria really now with 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 a a state field so it's it's good to see and and it's a good piece of land because it's not really it's never going to be built out uh, kind of thing so it's there for for a long long time and but you know, once you got that land, you the way these state fields work, if people don't know, is that the VMAA, the state association, will, will finance it, but they need a host club there to look after it and maintain it, and that's where you know the Utica club comes into it. But you've also, it's not a free ride, is it, when it comes to building the infrastructure? Because you've been heavily involved in that building of the infrastructure. You know, how did that all happen?
1: Well, that's right, Andrew. It's it's not a free ride, and and um, when we had the discussion, it was all about well, you know, if we if we if we want to invest in the land, we need somebody to develop it for us, and and we put our hand up and said yes, we were we were keen to have a go at that, um, and then it was probably in about two thousand and sixteen that I was actually retired, and and for um, for for about. Oh, Ten years before that, I I was in a, a handyman and construction business with my brother, and so I had the necessary skills and and equipment and whatever to actually uh, you know help out and do the organising and coordinate the building and and do a fair bit of the work out there. So that that was uh, that was where I I got involved in in working t- towards getting the, the the club that we've got now. And um I must say, you know, I, I got a lot of pleasure out of the fact that, you know, you could see something that was developing that, you know, people were going to enjoy. And I suppose that's where I get my my most of my enjoyment in the in the club is is um is is seeing other people being involved in it. And uh, you know, I I put my hand up and and was very happy to uh, to, uh, to to coordinate it. And whenever I wanted a hand, I always had plenty of helpers. And the guys from the club got into it and that sort of stuff. And and our club raised money and and sunk a sunk a fair bit of um a fair bit of uh, the club's money into it as well as some of as contribution from the VMAA. And um and you know with. Uh, their their foresight really to to come up with a concept of let's develop a club and, and from then on you know we've we've just um, worked our way towards building what we've got now
0: well i was there for the opening of the the new sort of clubhouse cookhouse kind of uh, area but even since you know i think i did a video there as well when we was up the fun flow oh, i was pre-covid but um since then, I've visited the club and it just keeps on getting better and better. You've got some undercover area in the pit area, so you keep on expanding that. And I, I just love that uh, seating area for, for like visitors to, you know, have lunch, you know, some tables and all that kind of stuff. It's just, you know, it, it, it's great to see clubs developing like that. And I think because you've got that security of ownership of the land, you don't, you know, you don't mind you know making that investment but um it's really it's really moved ahead and, and you've got um your runways you've you've used matting haven't
1: you yeah that's right At the original matting that was there 25 years ago part, still down and we actually got some more from uh, the uh the paper mills in Aubrey before they closed down so yeah uh, being a dry environment it, Grass runways don't really work because you haven't got the the, the enough moisture to, to keep the grass growing, particularly in the summer. So you need something. And um, and that matting works works quite well, we find. I've only got one complaint
0: about the matting. Yes. Just, can you widen the runway for me? Because I keep on landing off the edge of it.
1: It's it's funny how people say that.
0: uh, it's probably a more reflection of where i'm at with my flying than the uh, than the club because uh you know i've got some good mates up there brad worm uh who you know he's my sim my official sim buddy uh he says i don't know how you can miss the runway it's easy i go brad you're born and bred on this strip that's all you know of course you know how to land on it i'm i said i'm old and my eyesight's not that great so i'm just struggling to get it on but um, but it does make a big difference because yeah, it is you know it, it does get really dry out there, especially in the summer months. It, no doubt, it'd be pretty dry up there at the moment. Although we've had a, you know, a few rain, a bit of rain, but it's been warm. But um, but yeah, it makes a lot of sense, I think, as well. It's just ease of maintenance as well. Um, well, that's true, and
1: it, it is it is dry now, and it'll be dry now until we sort of uh, get the get the autumn break in in um, in April and and things start to green up again. So, uh, but um. It's okay. We don't have to do the mowing now, but they're all, there's always the problem of the, of the pesky weeds that want to grow. So yeah, you've got, you've
0: got keep... yeah you get the weeds come up. And you, you know, again, it's just every club's got that challenge in just maintaining their their surrounds. And the um, what's the next uh, next? You know, what do you got your sights on with the club as far as infrastructure goes? What's the next project that you'd love to do?
1: Well, we were sitting talking about that the other day, and and you know we've we've decided that we're going to improve our our hot water service and 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 make that an instant hot water service so that you don't have to wait for a shower. So a few uh, human friendly things like that, and then we want to put down some concrete starting blocks and and uh, we reckon we've got probably enough shade now because we've actually extended again since the last time you were there. So there's a there's a there's a long area of shade uh, under shade now. So um, yeah, look, uh, you know that that's probably where we're where we're at at the moment, but. Um, I'm, I'm sure the guys always come up with bright ideas about what we could do next. So there's no shortage of ideas, which is always which was always good.
0: And no shortage of ideas. just a shortage of people to actually help bring it to life.
1: Right. That's right. But oh, I'm pretty good at coordinating. Andrew, I, I, I can I can round up a crew when I need one. So, so oh, I can
0: vouch for that. It's like you, when you turn up to the Chuka Club, you'll see Fred. And I must say, your wife Marilyn. Every time I've
1: been there, she's been there, and she's been helping out as well. So she must enjoy it as well. Oh, she does. She 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 loves it. She's a bit like me, and and we're the same. We get a lot of pleasure out of watching, watching the kids involved with it. You know, you mentioned young Brad, and uh, you know he's he's fantastic. And and I can remember when he came along, and and uh, he turn up with his with his little models, and and he and and he, he was one of those guys that you. You let him go as a kid, and you thought, "Hey, this kid's this kid's something special." Well, you know, his his iMac results at the moment tell you about how special he's going. So, and he's only sixteen. So
0: yeah, and you know what? He's one of those characters that uh, he bucks the trend of um, you know the average kid nowadays, where he's not overly fascinated about playing computer games. He loves getting on the simulator and practicing, but he just yeah, he he, you know, he loves the model planes. But I to tell you what he's getting tall. Yeah. <laughs> every time I see him, he's got. To- I haven't seen him for a while. Actually, I might catch up with him this weekend. Yes. Uh, but uh, he's got an iMac event and I might, might rock on down. But actually, when yeah. by the time this comes out, Fred, I would have seen Brad. But um, yeah, great great guy, Brad. I was on the sim with him last week. Actually, he had hadn't been on the sim for a while, and we had a bit of a fly around. So he's doing. He's he's one of the uh, the major up and comers out there in Chukar and. Um, but um, it's, it's, it's one of those clubs, you know, I've always said that I love travelling out to the country uh, and a couple of reasons. Every time I visit a country club, they're always really welcoming. Uh, there's not that many people, so you get plenty of time to fly. The surroundings are always lovely because it's nice open spaces and plenty of room. Um, and the Chuka Club is one that I really enjoy coming because, you know, it's just always been extremely welcoming and that it goes a long way i think when when clubs build that culture of oh look we've got some guests here that came for a flight let's let's just you know give them a good experience by just saying welcome come back again kind of stuff and there are some clubs that aren't like it. i've been a member of a club that hated visitors they did their best to drive visitors away um and of course that club is slowly in decline but um the true club is just yeah phenomenal club and that investment in the facilities that keep on getting better every time I visit now when's your big fun fly events in April isn't it mid, mid, middle of April
1: that's that's correct we've got it's on the 9th and 10th of April um and uh that's our big event and you know I mean just getting back to the fact that, uh, that it's a V it's a vmWA state field um any VMAA member is more than welcome or, or MAAA member is is more than welcome to come and and uh and use the facilities anytime for no charge and uh we've got camping facilities out there and we would just love love for people to come up and um all they've got to do is is uh contact me on and go onto our website and um and you know we'll, we'll more than make make uh, make them welcome and join in and and all that sort of stuff and, and that's what the that's what the field's there for um but our fun flies on that that weekend and uh Actually, we've got a myriad of events coming up, which is which is fantastic to see. We've um, we've got the old timers in March. We've got our fun fly in April. We've got a uh, IMAC event in April. We've got a pylon racing event in May, and we've got the patent guys coming in September. So, um, so Jeez, big
0: big calendar. That's but that's what the state fields are supposed to do: support these uh, special interest groups, give them a place to to run their competitions, and. Um, you know, I'm sure, you know, the, the good thing about the members up there is that I don't think they mind too much about, you know, the field being shut down when when the visitors come in um, as well. But um, so a little tip for people, if you're on Facebook, join the Echuca Moama Model Aero Club Facebook page uh, and you'll see um, what's going on. You can hear about all the events that are happening um, out at the club. So great place, the Echuca Moama Model Aero Club, and I'm not getting paid to say that, Fred. <laughs> no That's right. <laughs> well, Fred, you, every time I've been there, you come. You I remember last time I came, you know, ladies and gentlemen, this is the kind of person that Fred and Marilyn West are like. I remember that last time I visited, you heard that I was coming and you came. I think you played golf in the morning or something, and you came into the club and said good day. And I was like, man, these people are wonderful. That made me feel so welcoming and so 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 good. And I'm glad you did. I'm glad you did come and say good day because it was good to good to see you. Um but yeah, so well done. Good job there with the Chuka Club. And as I said, Fred's a big driving force there, so you've achieved a lot and uh, well done. Now, I want to get back to the flying, all Right? Yes. When we were talking about planes last, you are talking about flying the trainer. Always interested to know, what was your next step after the train, trainer
1: models? Oh, I saw one of Model Engine's Roulette, um, roulette PC9 models and I yeah, thought, well, yeah. but- this is pretty cool. I, 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 that's that's a real airplane, and uh, and I suppose that's where I progress to next. And I and then I had a war warbirds. I've got a kitty hawk, and you know I've had the cubs. I've had the uh, the Foamies, um, I've, I've uh, crashed a couple of Texans. You know, <laughs> <you're>... <laughs> on landing was it. Oh, funny about that! Yeah. yeah, yeah. Everybody
0: says the same thing about a Texan, but they're beautiful plane. But everyone, everyone says, yeah. There's actually, I, I did it when I had the flat out RC magazine. Um, uh, there was a, a gentleman who had a, was flying a Texan down the field. And I said, oh, can I can, I'd like to do an article on this Texan, and I had to ask him the question, "How does it land?" And he said, "Oh, it's really good. This one. He says it's beautiful to land." I went, "Well, it's the odd one out that I've heard of, but um." Yeah, I don't think they
1: made them, did they?
0: <laughs> no, I don't know. It must have been a hybrid of something. I don't know. But uh, do you think that you uh, had, you know, were you a, a, a sort of an all-rounder when it came to models or did you go in a particular direction in, in the choice of models?
1: Well, being an aviation buff, I was anything that flew. So, you know, I tried a few few small uh, small sailplanes and I've got a couple of drones sitting here and, yeah, all that sort of stuff, and and watching Brad Worm and and uh, and and his skills, and all of a sudden I've got a a, a Yak fifty four sitting in the trailer. Oh,
0: see, <laughs> you're an aerobatics guy now,
1: <laughs> mate. I can I fly an aerobatic plane around in circles, but anyway, that's yeah. that's, that's another story. But uh, uh, when I said it's in the trailer, I, um, we were talking about Brad before Brad brad uh, decided that he needed a bigger trailer yes um to, to take the size of the aircraft that he flies now so his father his father andrew um got to work and built him a new trailer and i sort of said to uh andrew what are you gonna do with the old trailer and he said oh i don't really know so anyway i made him a suitable offer and and so now i'm the i'm the proud owner of actually half trailer which i've given a bit of a birthday to so uh so uh, I, I get to take more than one model out of the field now. I'm, yeah, I'm,
0: I'm, and uh, the model's getting bigger as a result now because now you can transport them effectively to the field?
1: That's that's what I'm a bit frightened of. They they have grown a bit. Uh, uh, you know, all, all of a sudden I was a, I was a, uh, you know, 120 size plane and now all of a sudden I've got a 30cc plane sitting there. So all of a sudden, yeah, well... And, and by and, and by the standard, by you know the, the standard of some of our guys out there, that's a little airplane now. So, uh. well, it's,
0: it, I've never heard of anyone saying, "Look, I'm really am just going to go back and focus on small airplanes." You know, we're, we're always getting bigger and bigger. But um, where do you currently sit with your hangar? Like, are you are you adding to it, or you know, proactively adding to it, or are you're pretty happy with what, what it looks like?
1: Well, look, I'm pretty happy with what I've got at the moment. Well, I've, I've added to it in so far as the project that I've been doing is, is getting the trailer going, and so all of a sudden some planes that I've had sitting and hanging up have actually made their way into the trailer, so they might actually get flown occasionally now. So, so you know, I'm going to reacquaint myself with a couple of my models that I haven't flown over the, for, for many years. So one of them's a Texan. I'm not too sure.
0: <laughs> uh, give it a go. Come on. Give it another <laughs> crack. You just to learn from <laughs> your mistakes, but uh, you can't give up. What yep. what what is your go-to model when you when you decide you're going out to the field? Is there is there one sort of old faithful that you love taking out to the field?
1: Oh mate, I have got a Tiger 60 in its electric plane with a with a uh, an E Flight 60 size motor on it. it. Runs off a 6S Cell. And I've got about three batteries and I just love it. Just throw them throw the throw the batteries on the charger, throw them in the plane, have a fly, sit down, have a cup of coffee. Fly again, fly again. I just ah, oh, it just flies, flies like it's on rails. I just love it. Yeah, so so there's there's a go to the old tiger, sixty. So um yeah, that's that's what I've been flying a bit lately. And yeah, as you say, the one that you throw in the trial, first one you throw in the trailer and the first one you pull out.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, you know, oh, there's a, there's some people that just love electrics and flying electrics, and there's some people that just think, nah, you got to fly petrol planes and that kind of thing. And I'm I'm on both sides of the fence. If if I haven't got a lot of time and I'm in a rush, nothing beats an electric plane to just, you know, even if, like, when you look at it, flying a petrol plane is not too bad, except for that's just the starting thing that that I suppose is the hurdle for for most people. But uh, that ease of uh, that the peace of mind of knowing that I just need to connect these connectors together and it's fired up and ready to go. Uh, is something yep. that I really like. That's why I've just built the 30cc electric model, which I haven't flown yet. Just remind me, I've got to do a couple of things to finish it off. But, um, I, you know, that it really, really appeals to me to have that electric model ready to go for those quick, quick kind of sessions. But so when I come to a I bring the petrol planes. It's a day out, you know, I bring the big 100, 120cc aerobatic planes and pretend that I'm Brad Worm and, you know, a proficient yeah. pilot. But, um, but, and it's a good place to do it at Echuca because there's so much room with the big planes. Do you, have, do, you, do you have any noise restrictions there?
1: No, no, no. We can make as much noise as like. Our oh. closest neighbour, a kilometre and a half away, and they've got. A, I was talking to her the other day and she said she loves it when we fly model aeroplanes because she's got two young young boys and they sit out on the back veranda and just love it. They just watch them all day. Oh, <laughs> so, really?
0: Now, now speaking, so
1: become-
0: of, speaking of that, of watching the planes, is – Another key feature of the, um, which has happened a couple of times that I've been there, another key feature of the uh, the big fun fly in April that you have up there is you're pretty close with the local full size flying club, and you've managed to organise a couple of uh, pits to 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 do like a, a you know full size pits to do a, you know a bit of a routine at the at these uh, at the event, and it's like phenomenal. There's so many photos of these. These pits zooming around the sky. How does that all happen? Tell me because I know you, you've been involved with full size flying.
1: Well, that's right. I, I sort of credit model aircraft with getting me into full size flying because, as I mentioned a bit earlier, that I had this this this, this dream that I always wanted to wanted to fly, uh, be a pilot. And when I got to about fifty years of age, and and the uh, the children had left the left the nest and I had a bit of loose change I I decided I'd get my pilot's license and um I spent uh you know it took me a couple of years I suppose of you know working and flying at little weekend and I got my full size license and then I got my my uh, night rating after that and and a mate of mine um, uh, and myself uh, went halves in a Piper Warrior which we owned for about 10 years which we've sold now but oh I just you know it was it was always the dream and the minute the wheels left the ground I thought hello dream fulfilled it was yeah. just I just loved every second of it but uh, and that gave me an association with the um the Atuka Aero Club and there's a couple of guys out, up there that have put together a uh, an aerobatics team and and they actually um put a couple of pits in um in containers and took them over to China and did the air show circuit over in China so they're fairly handy sorts of pilots and um and and, and the minute i suggest that would they like to come out and have a bit of a buzz around the uh the the uh, flying field and do a bit of practice you know i can't hold them back so um so it's uh that's how it's happened and uh every time i tell them the fun flies on they say right we'll be there so, yeah. Uh, that's oh, how and, yeah, and yeah. they dr-
0: they drop into the field after their flight as well. You know, they drive down and have a chat, which is uh, which is good to see. Now, tell me, so this, you had this Piper Warrior. What yes. did what did you do with it? Were you into like you know ducking off to the nearest airport or just doing circuits or what was uh, what did you use it for?
1: We we well, my mate and I used to go to air shows. Any air show that was around the place, we'd you know turn up at that and and uh, and we used to go on little adventures. And uh, a couple of them. the more notable ones, was we went up to. Uh, to White, White Cliffs where the opal mines are up there. And we went up there for a weekend and um, and uh, flew up into the middle of – well, it's in the outback in the middle of nowhere. So, you know, we land land this plane on this big bitumen runway next to all these opal fields and uh, got out of the plane. And um, there's a sign that you ring a number and a guy comes down in his uh, in his Toyota Land Cruiser and you, fill it, you refuel the plane and then you go back and – you actually pay for the fuel at the local pub, hmm. <laughs> and um, and uh, then he we stayed at the stayed at the pub for uh, uh, a, a couple of nights um, in in their little hut and um, or their little cabins. And he said, um, "Oh, you blokes haven't got a car, so he threw us the cars keys to his Land Cruiser." So we had his, use of his Land Cruiser for a weekend, driving all around Whitecliff. So they're the sort of things that happen in those sort of places. So that was one one adventure. And for many years, I used to uh, used to go up to the car races at Bathurst. So we'd fly up on the fly up on the Friday, um, go to the races, took took various groups of guys and son and his mates and guy oh, we go up there. My brothers, we, we had a few terrific adventures up there. And then because I had a, a night rating, you know, he'd fly home on the Sunday night. So um, yeah. I loved it. That's yeah, loved
0: awesome. It. Yep. And so you end up selling it though.
1: We did. It, it's one of those things that well I retired and the, the uh the, the guy that I was in partnership with he he was the same and and uh all of a sudden the motor was looking at uh looking or the plane was looking like, like it needed a new motor and that's not an insignificant expense. So um anyway and we had a we had an office from somebody who wanted to, to buy it. So um so that was how we ended up selling it. I, I still fly a bit, I still fly the, the uh the club's um the club's higher plane. It's it's a Piper Archer, so I, I still fly, but um, but yeah, oh, look, we had ten years of, of fantastic trips, and and you know, really really enjoyed it. But it was a dream fulfilled, and you know, that's one of those you know you, your that's an aviation story that uh, that you know, just just sort of uh, you know you do you, you as a kid you don't really know where those dreams are going to take you, but um, yeah, oh, I love it.
0: Yeah, it's it's. it's you know, I think all aero modellers have got that that plane aviation bug, and um, you know many many of them do progress into into the full size flying thing as well. And uh, but um, it 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 really fascinates me. I don't know. I've been doing a lot of thinking. I think I've had time time over the Christmas holidays to think a bit and think about you know, what is it that that makes aviation so attractive to some people and not to others. And because I, I had that bug, I got a letter, you know, back in I think it was 1979 or 1980, a letter that my my mum had, had written to Qantas, asking about, you know, I think she wrote it under my name, uh, you know, asking, well, you know, what do you need to do to become a pilot at Qantas, kind of thing. And I've got I've still got this letter that was typed out on a typewriter, telling me about all the things. Now, my brother's an airline pilot now, and I can tell you what. The requirements to become an airline pilot back then was so much harder than what they are now. Because my brother wouldn't have got in, but he's a very competent pilot. He actually, I flew to, uh, I flew to uh, Echuca, oh, it Would have been in the nineties, maybe late nineties, or maybe early two thousands. No, I think it was late nineties. And uh, yeah, flew to Echuca in a, in a Cessna one seventy two with my cousin, my brother, and another friend of theirs. They're all all you know pilots at the you know training at the time. And, yeah, it was, it was a summer's day and, um, yeah, let's just say probably 15 minutes out from the Echuca Airport, uh, I may have thrown up into my cap. <laughs> and I think that cap ended up in the bin when I arrived at the Echuca Airport. But I I, I was really happy to see the Echuca Airport, I can tell you that. <laughs> you know, it's a bit, bit bumpy.
1: That's right. I've taken a fly and all of a sudden they're starting uh, – when they start asking you where the air vents are – you start to worry.
0: Yeah, it? yeah. Oh, look, it was a hot day, and and it's amazing how hot you can get in those little planes. And we're probably sure. flying at about I don't know, two and a half thousand feet or something like that. And um, and uh, yeah, it was it wasn't that much cooler up there. I can tell you what it was. It was pretty hot. And then we had we stayed there the weekend or something or the night, and then we flew back. And I remember going to the local pharmacy and getting some quells you know, the travel sickness things. And they just knocked me out. I felt terrible. I almost felt worse. So the, the flight back wasn't great either. But uh. yeah,
1: I, I know all about that. Not much fun when you get air sick. But, but
0: no, it's, a, it's something that I've grown into Emotions, sickness. Yeah. But I don't, I don't get sick very often. But
1: yeah, well, I've, I've never suffered from it. So I've probably been lucky. But uh, I know that I, I took a, a nephew of mine for a spin one day and he, he wanted to do a bit of aerial photography. He was into photography and that. We're flying along, and I'm thinking I'm doing a marvellous job of lining the plane up on what he wanted to photograph only to turn around and see him throw it up in the sick, in the sick, bag, sick bag. Yeah, so, oh, look, it didn't for him. He, he, ended, up, he ended up getting a few flying lessons. So, um, there so
0: you do. go. Yeah, look, staring through a camera lens is, doesn't help. I did that in a glider flight, Um, filmed a lot of it, and um, I started to feel a bit queasy, and I think I put a lot of it down to staring through a camera um, and not, you know, looking outside the the glider with my eyes. But anyway, back to aero modelling. Um, yeah, building. What are your thoughts on building? Do you, do you enjoy building models?
1: I've I've built a few, Andrew. Not not for a long time. Um, you know, ARFs uh, made life a lot easier, and I think it has for a lot of aeromodellers modelers that. Um, that you know it, it's when you're time poor and you're busy and all those sorts of things that lets you get into it I, I i have built a few models i do enjoy building i do i do enjoy repairing models i i do you know look i'm a tinkerer so you know if there's a challenge there throw it at me and I'll have a go sort of thing but uh you know it's not a great passion of mine to to build models um as i said my my enjo- main enjoyment i get out of aeromodelling modeling now is is going out and seeing other people enjoying it and um you know that's that's uh, you know I, li- I love flying. I love getting out there. I love the camaraderie, love all that about our sport. I think that's uh, that's that's one of the key, the key things that for me that um, that sort of drives me to be involved.
0: Yeah, it's interesting that some people look down on, you know, the people that turn up to a flying club and don't fly. But um, as far as I'm concerned, if you want to, it's a, it's a social club. Uh, and if you want to turn up and just have a chat and watch some planes fly, well, that's fine by me. And, and I think a lot of, a lot of other people would, would agree with me as well. And, you know, I'm looking forward to going to this iMac event and I'm not taking a plane. Taking, I'll take a video camera and some camera gear and probably shoot a video and, you know, have a bit of fun that way. But, um, yeah, I'm not turning up to fly at the iMac event. I haven't done any practice. But, uh, but um, yeah, that's what I love about the hobby. And I, I know that when I retire... I probably would have done thousands of flights by that stage. So the eagerness to do another flight is probably not going to be the same as it is now. And so I'll go there and have a chit-chat and put myself on the mowing roster and drive the the mower up and down and cut the strip and that kind of thing. That's the stuff I look for. I talk about it a lot, about retirement. But the problem
1: is I've got about 20 to 25 years to go. Yeah, I've probably got 20 years on you, Andrew, so it's it's good when you get – I can vouch for it. Oh look, that's what I do. I mean, I took my uh, my my grandson out uh, a couple of weekends ago. Uh, it was during the week actually, in the school holidays, and took him out and got him going on a buddy box. And and um, yeah, he's he's I think he's thirteen. And uh, yeah, I got a lot of pleasure out of that. I reckon that was that was great. And and the thing that makes you sick is the kids these days with their dexterity on on. Um, boxes and all that sort of things he picked it up in five seconds and away he went so yeah. it's
0: amazing that isn't it like you know my son can get on my simulator and can fly around um and you know he's, he's not keen on landing he says "What do i need to know how to land i said well how are you going to take the plane home if you don't know how to land and so yeah he, uh, he, you know he, he takes off and then he goes look i am going to do some loops and i'll do some rolls and you know he's trying to learn how to hover before he can land the plane but um yeah they, they, they pick it up you know like even things like simulators and stuff like that just really, really help. Um, but um, you know, actually, just on that, because you've been very involved with the club and stuff like that, you know, we we talk a lot about getting newcomers into the hobby. What
1: are your thoughts on
0: on how to do that?
1: Oh, that's a sixty four dollar question or sixty four thousand dollar question. I yeah. think, I, yeah, you know, you look. I, I I subscribe to a couple of camps, and one is. Let's try and get some kids involved, and and you know Brad Brad's an example of that. um But th- their kids these days have got a lot of other interests, and Brad, Brad's probably a bit unique in the fact that he is is he he really um, he's really taken to a block, duck to water, and and is not interested in other some of the other things that that other kids are. um th- So that's one school, but I, I I don't mind the theory that get get. Guys like me who are, you know, my example, when you get to 45 or 50, try and get them in, involved in the club and all of a sudden they become members that all of a sudden they've got a bit of time on their hands and they're, they're, they're looking for a bit of camaraderie and that sort of thing. So, you know, that's, that's another way to, 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 to approach, um, approach trying to recruit some people. It is difficult. I know we've got, oh, I think there's about 40-odd members on, on our books, which probably half a dozen of those are social members. And, um, and you know, it's the same story. It's the, it's the 10 or 15 that turn up and actually fly. So, um, but, uh, you know, I've, I've found over the years it's gone in fits and starts. Sometimes it's, we've had lots, lots of people there and other times it's sort of died off a bit. But, um, yeah, I don't really know. That's, that's where I sit.
0: Yeah, it's a tricky one, but I always come back to that recurring theme that uh, you know I've experienced through through you know, what eighty seven podcasts now is we all started in the hobby because we saw we saw it somewhere else, we saw somebody else doing it, uh, whether it be down being down at a local park and seeing a person flying control line, or or a, a parent introducing you and, and and showing it to you and exposing it to you, so exposing the hobby to as many people as possible will help, you know, potentially, you know, see if it resonates. It's not going to resonate with everybody, of course, but, you know, if they never see it, they don't know it exists. So I keep on saying MAAA, advertise on Facebook, and what are you going to advertise? Come Try Days, hook the clubs in, give the clubs an incentive to run the Come Try Day, give them some money to do it, and uh, once a month have a Come Try Day in the state, advertise it, get people to it, give them experience,
1: off you go. That's what I reckon. I think, you're pro- I think you're probably not far off the money either. I mean, I've, um, I, I've we, our club's done a couple of static displays, um, and that general one was at Bunnings. When Bunnings, Bunnings often have these. Oh, I don't know. I think yeah. it was a, a Father's Day day or something. We did a static display there, and we've had a uh, we did a couple of display, displays in the in the local hall at events that they had. You know, we just put a little stand in and that sort of thing. And, uh, it was a lot of little kids came up, and you know, I gave away a heap of uh, VMAA gliders and that sort of thing. Um, you know, so what you never know what sort of interest you're sparking, I suppose, and that's what that's the point you're making too, I suppose. You just yeah. never know when you're going to trigger an interest and somebody gets the bug and, and decides that they're going to going to join yeah. and get in. Yep.
0: And the, through our chat, you mentioned a few hobby stores. Where's your where's your nearest hobby store now?
1: Well, uh, we we have got. Well, Bendigo and um, and really, I suppose it's Albury. There was there was uh, there was a couple over in Shepparton, and there was one in achuca Well, they've they've since gone by the wayside. So, uh, so you know, yeah, we've we've got a we've got a little way to travel, but um oh, I find the guys up at Albury fantastic. You know, you just give them a ring and it turns up in the mail the next day, sort of thing. Yeah, so. they're
0: really good. Uh, Albury RC Rob Sergeant out there and um, does a great yeah. job. The thing about Albury RC is they hold a lot of stock of error modeling stuff. You know, if you in doubt, check out LBRC's website and they've probably got something to fit the bill. So, you know, I've got to, I've got to commend for that because, you know, it's a bit of an investment to take a punt in predicting what people might want and, and they do that quite well. So, and, and they're into the hobby as well. You know, I've seen Rob flying turbines and stuff like that, the Wangarata Jets event, and things like that. So good bunch of guys up there, LBRC, big, big fan of them. Now it
1: turns up at our hands too, you know. It's great, you know. They're, they're flying the flag, and it's terrific. Yep,
0: that's true. Now, um what's your bucket list model? What, what, what's the next model that you'd really love to have? Oh,
1: look, that, the next model I'd really love to have. Look, I, I suppose, I suppose I'd be looking. Well, if I've got a thirty cc model now, I probably got to get a fifty cc model, don't I, Andrew? I suppose. Oh, I'd uh,
0: look, just go straight to hundred cc. It flies better. You <laughs> might suppose, as well.
1: I suppose I'll get something a bit bigger. I suppose that's what I'll do. I haven't really, I haven't really thought about it yet. I've got to get this, this, this yak behaving the way I want it to behave. Um, well, put more, more, more to the point. I've got to actually go and fly it properly. So, um, so yeah, so that's probably where that's that, that's probably where I'm headed. I suppose, like everybody else, a bit bigger and, a, and Now that I've got the trailer, I'm going to have the room, so I've got no excuses, have I?
0: That's true. That that is that is true. You know, you get the trailer and that's it. You got to fill it with something. You might as well yes. fill it with something big. You haven't been, haven't been tempted to try a turbine jets.
1: No, I haven't. I think I, I've, I've looked at how much they cost, and I thought, well, oh, gee, that'll be a lot of money to put it around.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I, if you own a turbine jet, you can't think like that because they'll just no. put you off. But, but you know, it's 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 funny that that expense of the model changes our our psyche when it comes to flying. But um, you know, it's yeah,
1: uh, it makes but, your knees Andrew.
0: <laughs> yeah, but you know, you know, I I, I flew my jet and. Um, it, it, I kept on saying to myself, "It's just another model airplane. It has wings. It has ailerons. It's got a rudder and an elevator. I know how to fly a plane. The only thing you have to do is just be a bit mindful on the landing. Depending on the kind of model you're flying, like you're flying a scale model, but say if you're flying a Texan and you've got to bring that into land, it's 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 you know just as tricky as some of the scale jets bringing them in, really. Yeah. Um, oh, you know, I went to a a flying event out of the Bensdale Club a number of years back pre COVID, and uh. And I counted five, either they were either Mustangs or Spitfires, that um, that crashed, and and they were either crashed on takeoff, or uh, or landing, of course, not whilst flying around the air. And it just shows you how some of these models may look great, but they've got their quirks about them when it comes to to you know to flying them. And uh, so it's not just turbines um, that that can be a little bit tricky, you know, like a. And I was sitting there going, oh, there's another one, another Mustang's hit the deck. Fancy that.
1: Well, I'm an example of that. I've got a, I've got a very nice Kitty Hawk that I put together and it's a beautiful-looking model. And it's probably taxied. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and I thought, no, I don't think I want to fly this and I'll put it back in the shed. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, I, I just – it's – it's, it looks a million dollars, but I just don't. It's sort of got something about it that it's the, the size of the tail and the size of the rudder, and I'm thinking this is going to end in tears. So, uh, <laughs> oh. just- <laughs>
0: so it's, just, it's become a static <laughs> model.
1: I, I subscribe to the Chicken Club. One of our club <laughs> members. Neil, who you'll know, Neil, he, he says, what you do with uh, what you would do with those sort of models is that you put them in your lounge room and you put a glass top coffee table <laughs> over the top of them and look at them.
0: Yeah, true, true. But you know, this I've seen models. Uh, there was a model, um, a Haraka glider. I did an article on it, and Scott Matthews built it down at down there in sort of um, Terelgan Sailway. And uh, I said to him, "This is a work of art. This is the kind of plane I would love to have hanging from my roof in the living room." But I said yep. my wife would go crazy. What's that aeroplane hanging from the roof? I don't want to be looking at that. Um, but I said it is just a work of art. And I think he may have actually kept it. In his, he's got it hanging up in his uh, his full-size hangar. I think I saw it in the background. But um, but there are certain models where you just go, nah, that's not meant to be flown. That's meant to just it's – a, it's a piece of art that you just want to look at and get pleasure from.
1: Exactly. There's a few of those, yep
0: yeah it's a bit you know a bit different to the average foamy where you don't mind just taking that out and you know oh look it hit the ground oh well i'll get my glue out and glue it back together again and off you go so and it's amazing how we how well we fly our foamies as a result of that and just relaxing. exactly yeah it's crazy yep,
1: yep.
0: So, so what else you've been doing to keep
1: yourself busy well I, I i suppose it's like like everybody else around the countryside you you've you've when when you're when you're uh retire and um and you've got uh, family and grandkids and all those sorts of things you spend a bit of time doing things like that and i've i've actually got a couple of uh old cars out in the shed which i've um i've been restoring uh, so they take see.
0: another true it. era modeler thing with what cars are they
1: well i've got a uh, an ek Holden which is uh which is fully restored and i've got an eh station wagon which is Ooh. in a million pieces
0: I'll tell you what they'd be worth so, it now.
1: Well, yeah, they've, they're they're going up in value all the time, and the the EH station wagon. I'm I'm doing that with my son, so uh, that's a bit of a joint project. So that's that's a, that's a good thing to do. Yeah, yeah, I'll tell you
0: what you could sell one of those Holden's. You could buy a lot of turbine jets. <laughs>
1: yes, that's, that's true. That's <laughs> true. I, I don't know whether I could get away with that, Andrew.
0: No, no, no. You know it's uh you know but you know Marilyn's lovely your wife's a, a lovely lady so I um, she you know she's been pretty supportive so you must have done the right thing by her.
1: well she is she's very supportive and oh, look, I look she's fantastic she gives well, she's she, she always gives us a hand of I've had her out at the club putting tin on that uh, on the shed at one stage oh really
0: No, oh, that that's, gee that that's true love right there.
1: Yeah, that's it. I can't get
0: my wife to get in the car to come to the flying club. She, once, actually, once she did, I was running an event. And she helped me, and and she won't admit it, but she had a great time. I could just tell she was having a ball, and yeah. uh, and it was like a weekend away from the kids as well. But um, yeah, ever since then, oh, she came. I went. We went to a, another event. I said, let's go for a drive up to um, the new state field out there at um, where is it? Backers Marshway, and um, and yeah, we, it was actually a nice drive out there. And uh, we went there and we took some photographs and all that kind of stuff and then left. But um, that was a good day out. That's, it's always a good day out when you go to the flying club. And, look, I encourage anybody, if, you, if you're in a suburban area, just get out there to the country club, support them, and um, en- enjoy the facilities because uh, they're great places to fly. Now, Fred, it's, I'm Yet- now up to the most important questions, the question that everybody can't wait to hear the answer to. And, and of course, it's a question that sort of, Frustrates me a lot because people don't seem to be able to listen to the question and answer it effectively. And that question is, "What has been your favourite model?" Notice well, that "model" is not plurals, no "s" there. Model. One,
1: one model. My favourite model, and I've got to say that it's that Tiger sixty electric that I just bash around the sky and love it every time. It flies like it's on rails, so it's. Nothing elaborate, nothing flash, but um, it's my go-to model. And, um, yeah, I'd, I'd have to tell you out of all my models, that's my favourite model. So um, simple answer, Andrew.
0: Well done. <laughs> Congratulations, Fred. You, you win the prize for uh, one of the, the – I think a person uh, – there's probably been about 30 podcasts. In the last 30 podcasts where people struggled to answer that and gave me multiples. Uh, I think Norm Morish, uh takes the cake for creating categories and then giving me different one, twos and threes in the categories. But that was a, an excellent job. Well, Fred, as I said, you're a legend of the Yachuka Moama Aero Modellers Club. It, that club really, you know, is it, it, what it is today is really due to the effort that you've made. And I'm not saying that lightheartedly as well because I know how much people love you there and how much work you do. So big thank you to, to you for all the effort that you've made. Can't wait to come up to a I'm gonna. This is what I always say. Brad always says to me, "When are you gonna come up to a I said, "Brad, you know the drill. I'm not coming in summer. It's too hot. I'll come April, May when it's a bit cooler, grass greens up a bit. I'll be there. We'll have a nice day out, and I expect to see you there, Fred. When I'm there."
1: No worries, Andrew. We'll keep you to that. And I'm sure between uh, Brad and myself, we won't let you get away with not coming. So uh, we look forward to that. And um, thank you for the opportunity to have a chat. About to leave, already packing.
0: Come with me. I'm not really asking. We'll get away to a place where we don't know. Another episode of the Flat Out RC podcast done and dusted. Big thank you to Fred West for joining me. Always like having a chat with Fred. I'm hoping to get up to Echuca. I always say uh, I'll get up there once the weather cools down because it gets pretty warm up there and pretty dusty sometimes. So I like it when it cools down. So uh, I will be up there to see my mates up there, uh, hopefully later in the year. So look forward to that. Uh, now, as I mentioned earlier, I've got a YouTube video that may already be posted. I'm waiting on a little bit of extra footage to come, and I'll finish it off as I as I record this. Uh, so, stay tuned. Get onto the Flat Out RC YouTube channel and subscribe. Don't forget, whilst you're in the mood for subscribing, the Instagram page going off. Still plenty of photos. I've done a whole bunch of new photos. Actually, you'll see of some aerobatic planes and stuff like that that I recently saw. So, stay tuned for those photos. And Facebook, of course, whilst you're in the mood for it. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to the Flat Out RC Podcast. It's going from strength to strength, so thank you all of you for listening to it. I hope you're enjoying it. Um, I en- I enjoy doing it. So even if you didn't don't like it, I do enjoy doing this. So I'll keep on doing it for myself because it's my way of partaking in aeromodelling when I can't get out to the flying field. So have a great week. I will be back. I've got another couple in the bag. So. We'll still be rolling on Flat Out RC Podcast. Talk to you soon.